Hello and welcome to Greedo Shot First, the podcast for Star Wars fans who hate Star Wars fans. How you doing, Marco? I'm doing good. How are you doing, James? Hanging and banging. I don't know how long it's been. I, this is episode 63 of Greedo Shot First. It might have been a year since we recorded the last one. No, we, we did once for Obi-Wan, so like maybe like five or six months, but we're back. Mm. You never know when we'll appear again. You know, sometimes Greedo Shot First, somehow we returned. Yeah. I need to get there at some point. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, I feel like normally we're back and it's like, uh, hey, everything's shit in the Star Wars universe. Maybe mm-hmm. not so much now. There's a show, shockingly, against all logic and sense, that's actually good. It's yeah. not just good, but like legitimately maybe the best show on TV right now. It's a Star Wars show. I didn't know Disney had it in them. Seriously. Uh, so obviously we're going to talk about Andor, Cassian Andor, as uh, Stellan Skarsgård likes to say. I still think this show <laughs> should have been called Rebel Spies. I, apparently, I've seen a lot of like from like the casuals online be like, oh, I just like that character is already dead, so why do I want to watch a show about him? And it's like, see, this is why you shouldn't have called the show Andor. Just call it mm. Rebel Spies. Just yeah. Get, get the asses in the seats and then they can just, just be like, oh, we're telling the story of the Rebel Spies through this Cassian Andor character. Just call it Rebel Scum. Mm-hmm. And Let's call it the Mon Mothma show. Mm-hmm. Mon Mothma's disintegrating marriage. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're 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 gonna talk about the first six episodes. Um, by the time this goes up, there'll probably be eight episodes out, but we're we're gonna hold off uh, and gonna do one now with the first six, and then we'll do another episode when uh, the final uh, six episodes have aired. It's crazy. It's like a real TV show where it's there's like this big you know, climactic moment in the end of episode six. And it's like, no, that's not the end of the season. There's still a whole other half season to go. Like it's this TV. You just tune in every week. Yeah. It's, it's a great ending point. I mean, the first two story arcs are just these hour and a half movies and they're great. Yeah. Every character is good. They're interesting. A good TV character. Every line that comes out of Mon Mothma's mouth is somehow more engrossing than the last. Like, yeah. Uh, but before we talk about Ander, uh, let's, uh, there's some news to discuss. Star Wars is in the news again. I mean, as, as usual, there is some sort of new movie rumored with new different creatives rumored to be attached to it. Uh, you know, it's three years now since the rise of Skywalker came out. Yeah. Nothing's even in pre-production as far as we know. Or at least real pre-production, you know? Yeah, like real pre-production. I mean, yeah. a lot of things in development with quote marks, with scare quotes. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, this article even talks about how the Taika Waititi movie has been in development for two years. <laughs> yeah, that, that movie's not happening, I don't think. I think I uh, think Lucasfilm took one look at Thor Love and Thunder and said, hey, man, maybe if you go to rehab for cocaine, then you can come back and direct one of our movies. But Can you imagine... Taika Waititi gets the voicemail from Kathleen Kennedy. It's like, oh, hey, Taika, thanks for getting us the the passes. We're going to the preview screening for Love and Thunder. Talk to you afterwards. And it's like two hours later, the voicemail. It's like, Taika. Whoa. (laughs) We should talk. (laughs) Or not talk. Or not talk, yeah. Um, but yeah, so in, in theory that movie is coming, but I don't think it's coming. The rogue squadron movie is off the schedule. Um, Kevin Feige's movie, who even knows who's the, um, according to Ryan Johnson, 
it's still a possibility. Still matters just scheduling. scheduling. Yeah. Yeah. Which I Which, I at least half believe. But yeah. I think I think Ryan Johnson has his own franchise now that's making him a ton of money. And and I'm sure like the the thing to remember about Ryan Johnson, regardless of like how butthurt some small minor fans were, is that like he's the only one who had a pleasant uh, you know, under budget on time yeah. production. And so I'm sure Lucas Holm is like Hey, you know who like worked out really well for us? Ryan Johnson. That guy just went and made exactly the movie he said he was going to make. There were no weird surprises. You know, we're not getting the dailies back and wondering what the fuck is going on. He didn't go over yeah. budget. You know, it's like it was smooth sailing the whole way through. Well, and and to the point they wanted him back, except for the Bob Iger of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's got he's got his he's the bell of the ball with uh, Glass Onion coming out, getting rave reviews, and then Poker Face. Probably starts airing early next year. They filmed that for a long time. Yeah, I wonder how many I mean, episodes that is. It seems I like think it's ten. Is it ten? Okay, because it seems yeah. like they were filming for a long time I for mean, a TV it's, show. It's a Peacock show, which is unfortunate, yeah. but whatever. Well, I mean, they made Brave New World. Everyone remembers Brave New World, don't they? Classic television show. <laughs> it's where with, you go with Han for the Solo office in now. It, with young Han Solo. It's where you go for the office now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to remember. There was. There's a guy, I can't remember his name, it's like JC something maybe. There's uh-huh. another guy who was rumored to be doing like an old Republic Star Wars movie. Like, because there's like all these names have been in the mix, like, and it's not like officially announced, but it's like, it, you know, I think only like Taika and um, Patty Jenkins have been officially announced, but there have been other people who like Variety or Hollywood Reporter will be like, hey, this is happening, you know? Right. It's like, well, we should also say, because we're, we're skipping past it, they have been casting the Acolyte. Yeah, um, Amanda Stenberg and yeah, have they cast I mean, somebody else? I think they've they cast did. Like, they've cast quite a few people. Yeah. Who knows how what level of, you know size their roles are? But it seems like it's a, a wonderfully diverse cast. Um, I mean, we'll see if they're able to bring the level of storytelling and attention to detail that Andor does to their show. You know, I, I, I mean, can you imagine making? a Star Wars qu- a show of the quality of the previous Star Wars shows. And then like, you're also tuning into Andor each week and you're like, fuck. Yeah. Well, let's fuck. save that conversation. Yeah. But before we get to the Andor of it all. Um, so a few weeks ago, I think maybe just one week ago, one or two, Michelle Rejwan, who was like an SVP at Lucasfilm, who she was originally JJ Abrams assistant. She became an assistant producer on his mo- movies, a bad robot. She was co-producer of Super 8 and um, one of the Star Trek movies, I think. She eventually rose to the level of executive producer of The Rise of Skywalker. That was like her first EP credit. She's an EP on, uh, I think she may be an EP on Andor, actually, as well as uh, The Boba Fett Show and The Willow Show, you know, like the new Willow Show they're doing. She left Lucasfilm, or she stepped down from her SVP role and has just kind of like a production deal or something like that at like Disney plus and Lucasfilm. And it's, it, it really kind of came across as like, we're letting you go, but here's a kind of a little golden parachute production deal that might never amount to anything. Right. Kind of, kind of a job. But I, I find that interesting because she was kind of in charge of a lot of like, you know, scripted content, especially like movies and like nothing has happened on movies in like three years. So, um, I'm I'm guessing that the reason we're getting all these like news drops and leaks now is 
in general to do with that transition, you know, whether or not it's coming from her camp or not, it's like clearly like stuff is changing over there at Lucasfilm now. Right. How long ago was celebration? Uh, I think that was this summer. I don't know. Well, cause this article, the Hollywood Reporter article talks it was, about it was how... right. I think it was right before Obi-Wan maybe. So yeah, yeah. like early May. Cause it talks about how the secret writer's room came out of celebration. Did it come degree. out of celebration? Or no, it fall. It followed celebration. Did celebration so, happen? And they're like, "Hey, what are we doing? We should really possibly. have a new movie." You know, quite like possibly. we I mean, saw yeah. Thor and it was bad. We we kind of need to get on this. Well, I mean, like like typical con stuff. Even with the the people who were you know famous and on panels and things, it's like they went to a bar after one of the panels mm-hmm. and they were like, "Hey, I have a question for you. What are we talking about celebration next year?" Yeah. <laughs> when's the next star wars movie coming out like marvel's putting out like four this year or something yeah yeah and not marvel that i want four star wars movies a year i do not but you know there's a marvel there's an extreme the other way too has evolved past the point that they let that letting a bad movie stop them yeah they sure have um but so yeah then the, the news the news first leaked that damon lindelof had was secretly writing a star wars movie and that they had attached a director. Um, oh, I had her Wikipedia open. Did I close it? Let me see if I can find it here. Charmaine Obayajinoy. Yeah, they attached her as director, um, and then and that he would be writing the script with somebody else. We didn't know who. And then, like the next day, it was announced that he was writing the script with uh, Justin Britt Gibson. It's writing the script with him, and that. Not only is he writing it with him, but there was a whole writer's room that got assembled in July with like a bunch of different writers in it, like brainstorming like the future of Star Wars movies or whatever. And then out of that brainstorm session came, it's like, it's like, it sounded like Lindelof was kind of like the leader there. Mm-hmm. And that he chose um, Justin Britt Gibson from like that bullpen to write this uh, movie with him. And that it's, it's going to be post uh, Rise of Skywalker movie with the sequel characters, but not necessarily like a continuation of the saga. It'll, and it will be like a one-off movie that could be built on for more. If the interest is there is what it sounds like. One-offs might be the future direction. Uh, So this writer room, writer room looks like it was Patrick Somerville who worked on leftovers, but also uh, created the adaptation of station 11. Uh, Raina McClendon, who was a consulting producer on Obi-Wan. Um, and also wrote on the the upcoming Willow series, Andy Greenwald, your fucking boy. Andy Greenwald at the watch, yeah, Mister Andy Greenwald of uh, House of the Dragon is damaging the Game of Thrones IP. Greenwald, yeah, that guy is he, is he in the House of the Dragon writers' room? No, no, no. He's he's on the Watch podcast complaining about House of the Dragon, how it's damaging uh, the Game of Thrones brand, and it's like, what are you talking about? Like Game of Thrones is like in the garbage, and now everyone's in on it again, like. It's bad take, Andy. I mean, I don't know. Hot D is for sure a, a a reaction and sometimes an overreaction to Game of Thrones. But I mean, I don't know. Like you, you could ponder a possibility where Rosario Dawson brought him into the fold here. I don't know. Probably some connection, yeah, because Rosario Dawson uh, was Plus, in Briar Patch. And and to make that that possibility a little more real, Filoni might have had his fingers in this at some point. Oh, there's a, th- a rumor that like Filoni may have been present or something. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, Greenwald is also, he's like a, just a first class, like glad handing schmoozer. Like he's a, a, a music critic turned like TV critic turned podcaster 
turn TV writer just by like, I don't know, you know, kissing ass and impressing the right like podcasts, like guests. Like I had no idea how he like parlayed like his podcast gig into uh, writing on Legion, and then uh, he got his own show. He was a showrunner of Briar Patch, like out of nowhere. Look, I don't respect the man, but I respect it because like fuck yeah, we would do that if we could. Yeah, hey, just, you want to give us a Star Wars show? We Let's don't uh, kiss the right asses, you know. We we lit PL original sin on fire, and we've not heard back from them. Yeah. Well, because because uh, Zarya gagged us a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's I mean the Hollywood Report article. It's pretty funny because it's like their previous direction had been like developing trilogies, which is like so pompous. But I mean, even not really. I don't know. <laughs> well, because because they, they're I mean, maybe they're, maybe behind the scenes they were. I guess. I mean, their movies just weren't. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there was a, a, a some handwritten notes for like Solo two and three, but like. Mm-hmm. You weren't going to get there. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned Kevin Feige is supposed to be producing a movie written by Michael Waldron, who wrote Loki. Who isn't that guy writing? Didn't he get? He did Multiverse of Madness. Didn't he get? uh, Yeah, he did that. Was he the one who's like tapped to write like the new Avengers movie or something? Oh, maybe. It was one of the guys who's been on something before. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm honestly uh, like when, when I see that guy's directing, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I see Marvel people now, I'm a little like, I don't know, can we do a little better? You know, like, and I, I don't necessarily trust the Marvel bullpen these days. Um, but uh, so the let's talk well, about I mean, the, like if you had to trust someone, I mean, I feel like it's it's maybe Ryan Coogler. Well, because he's a real uh, filmmaker. You know? He's a real filmmaker, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I'm I'm. I'm like infinitely curious about Wakanda Forever because I mean that like like the universe dealt them a pretty tough hand. I suspect that it's it's going to be a little messy, like all recent Marvel movies. Like yeah. at the, the minimum, a little bit of mess there. Yeah. Well, and the internet's got to decide real quick about how it feels about Shuri. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Justin Britt Gibson. Uh, what did he do here? Counterpart. He, um, the counterpart on stars. He, he was an EP or executive story editor on the strain. I don't know if you remember that mm. vampire TV show. Stole in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. Whatever. Uh, the director is fascinating. Uh, Charmaine obey. Oh, uh, Chinoy. Like if you go look at her Wikipedia, you're like, Oh, it's an award-winning broadcast journalist until you get to the very bottom. And it's like, after all these like short documentaries that she won Oscars for and all this humanitarian work in Pakistan and, and whatnot, it's like, oh, and then she directed a couple episodes of Miss Marvel and she's supposed to direct the next Star Wars movie. And it's like, what? Okay. Cool. Like, as far as I can tell, other than the Miss Marvel episodes, which are unfortunately the ones I did not watch, I suppose I'll need to watch them at some point just to see, you know, I don't know how much you can tell on a Marvel TV show anyways, directing wise, but um, she... The only other narrative stuff she's done is like three like animated movies, which were like Pakistan's first animated movies. Um, but and that's it. Everything else is like broadcast journalism, short form documentary. Like, I'm, okay, we'll see. You know, like I don't, I, I, I don't know what to think. Like Star Wars is like arrived at their movies every which way. You know, you have Lucas. You know, the visionary director, you have him in the backseat producing 
with hired guns and that, you know, he got empire out of that return of the Jedi is fine, but definitely not quite to the heights, you know, um, you had, you know, JJ Abrams, mega producer, you had Ryan Johnson, you had, you know, Kasdan and, uh, Ron Howard together making solo, which was kind of meh, you know, like they, they're really all over the place in terms of like what they're looking for filmmaker wise. So who knows? Well, and, and I think we can, we can re-enter the chat talking about, uh, Lawrence Kasdan's contributions to the force awakens. I mean, obviously he was the, uh, the one with his hand on the till, keeping the boat yeah. from going into the iceberg. This is this is a shitty way to put it, but like the adult in the room, maybe. Yeah, no, I I don't think that's uh, unfair at all. Um, all right, look what happened when you placed him with Chris Serio. Bad things happen. Uh, we could cause COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally cause COVID and ruin the entire world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just and then Lindelof, of course, um, which like. I like Lindelof when he's writing TV, you know, he's written like three of my favorite TV shows, uh, movie wise. It's, uh, it's, I would Prometheus to even call it a mixed bag would be charitable, you know, Prometheus, Tomorrowland, uh, Star Trek into darkness. Um, and like, and he's always been like a hired gun movie writer. Yeah. Like there was like this interview he gave after Star Trek into darkness, like explaining like, well, it's a big budget movie, so you have to have big budget, like world ending stakes or else, you know, like, the, the you know, that's that's what the directors want. You got to make everything big. And it's like, OK, but what would you write? You know, like if you could, if, if this wasn't Ridley Scott or J.J. Abrams telling you what to write, like, what would you write? Well, and whenever he's got a project, well, cause I'm sure his stuff was like rewritten to death or, or mm-hmm. whatever, um, or you're saddled with like, what do the producers want you to put in there? But like when he's writing his stuff you know, whether you like his shows or not, um, he's always fascinating. Like any Damon Lindelof interview is always fucking fascinating to hear him talk about the craft of writing, making a TV show. Um, I've only seen parts of leftovers, but obviously highly acclaimed show. Obviously I I think people have probably heard from us and our love of lost, uh, the Watchmen TV show. Uh, I'm going to go hard and say maybe one of the best shows like in the last I, it was like five, ten years. Great little miniseries. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, like that show had no business being that fucking good. Yeah. To be charitable, all the movies he's written, you know, at least the ones that have been produced, he was a hired gun just doing what the director wanted. Like those were all director led visions. Like, like he he's not telling Ridley Scott and Prometheus, no, you have to have this guy be super cavalier, you know, about taking his helmet off in an alien world like that's not him telling Ridley Scott to do that that's Ridley Scott making his movie and saying put this in the script you know yeah yeah or like into darkness with like the magic blood and all that shit you know I don't know but I'm I'm also reticent because I feel like flashback years ago sitting in a different living room talking to the microphone on this podcast about how fucking great it was that J.J. Abrams Mm -hmm. was resurrecting Star Wars (sighs) Eight those words. I mean, The Force Awakens, if you watch it now, I still really enjoy it. You can see all of the places where it worked out at the time, but it's pretty Mm -hmm. slapdash. You know, you can see like if you did, if you ran this back and tried to do it again, you would get The Rise of Skywalker instead. You know, yeah, there's like a lot of that movie doesn't totally make sense. It's just but you're moving so fast and it's fun and you're meeting all these fun characters. Oh, The Rise of Skywalker. But. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see if this movie ever even gets to a pre-production phase. 
I mean, one of them has to. I have to imagine Disney is like, like you know, Bob Chapek's like tapping his watch and just like, hey, hey, Lucasfilm, we, you see this date? This is as far out as we're pushing the next Star Wars movie. You have to have a Star Wars movie come out yeah. by this time. So get your shit yeah. together, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or somebody dies. Yeah. Um, but I mean, post Rise of Skywalker, I mean, I'd like to see Ray again. I mean, but my question is, you know, I'd like to see Finn again. I say, is this the Finn movie? I mean, I I keep seeing people online just be like, oh, I'd love to see a movie about Finn training to be a Jedi. And it's like, would you though? That sounds boring as fuck. Like, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see a Finn adventure movie. Him like training at Jedi Academy sounds completely fucking boring. To well, me, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of out on the Jedi in general. Like, I like lightsabers and lightsaber fights and people using the force. I don't like seeing people in fucking bathrobes asking, like, youth camp, youth pastor, camp counselors. Like, I don't, I'm not into that shit at all. I, I was going to say the same people didn't enjoy watching Ray, you know. What do they envision this movie to be? Like, him yeah. just meditating a lot and, like, doing obstacle courses? Like, yeah, I mean, if Finn's if Finn's character arc in that trilogy is like being the guy who's unsure and he's kind of on the fence, and then by the end of the movies he's like chosen a side, he's like a gung ho warrior. I just don't see him then pausing to like, like you said, go 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 kumbaya. It seems like he'd be out doing things. Yeah, um, I mean, I suppose if you want to get really conspiratorial, Daisy Ridley rejoined uh, Instagram. A few months back, could could it be related? I know that some people at the time were like, "Ooh, why is she rejoining social media?" That's interesting. It'd be wild to see uh, Ray come back, but with Daisy Ridley's like super short hair. I'd be into it. Um, I'd I'd like to see Ray come back and like have a writer that like I don't know is interested in her character instead of just making her a Palpatine and like give her something interesting to do. But I, at the same time, like if you're bringing, bringing Ray back, like don't you have to do, you know, like are, aren't you calling Adam Driver and begging and being like, we, we've got to like give you a proper end to your arc if nothing else? Yeah. I mean, it's I hard to see, say- like if you just brought Ray back and it was like a new Ray adventure, like her and Finn gallanting around the galaxy, like you would have to mention Kylo at the least. I don't know. Also, Rose. Yeah, yeah, Rose. I mean, it's hard to see how you could make, unless you just like, it's like, oh, it's five years later, and we're just never going to mention the events of the past. Like, how do you make a a new story with those characters and not at least try to tidy some things up from the last movie that was just like a complete clusterfuck? I like that the nice thing about Oscar Isaac becoming Moon Knight is that he's learned the beauty of getting that big check. Mm -hmm. Because he, you know, he used to do the thing like, like I'll never come back to Star Wars. I'll never do a Marvel thing. Okay, I did a, I did a Marvel. Thing. Well, he said he'd never it's come back unless he needed to like buy a house or something. Well, he's like, it's it's a one off mm-hmm. on this Marvel show. Then he's like, eh, maybe we'll do a season two. We're we're mysteriously on this trip to Egypt where we're doing some research. Maybe maybe we'll do a season two. And then like lately, it's like, oh, would you ever consider going back to Star Wars? And he's just like, you know what? Never say never. Well, do you think he's watching his buddy Diego Luna as Andor and being like, hey? Why couldn't I have gotten this script? What the fuck, man? Like, you tell me you make this kind of stuff on Disney, and I got the fucking Moon Knight script? Well, uh, it, even still, like, you know, even more so, Pedro Pascal has become the internet's boyfriend. So mm-hmm. I feel like he's just like, 
my two homies are like having a great time and getting paid. Yes, please. Yeah. Oscar Oscar wants a new driveway. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I am cautiously optimistic, I guess. It's a what they've assembled is very odd. I don't know if that's really is that is that how you make a good movie by assembling a writer's room of mostly TV writers and then choosing one to write your script with and going out and hiring like a broadcast journalist to direct it? I don't know. It's very very odd. Oh, I mean, it seems to me like you're saying, can we get like uh, uh, people who who deal with actual character? To, I mean, like, one would hope, story? yeah, yeah, you know, because that, that's that's the thing about TV. But I mean, you... TV doesn't always translate to movies, though. Like no, they are no. different mediums, is the thing. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a lot less time, but I mean, I I feel like that's one way to read it is that we're we're saying characters a more central point to this story. Well, oh, you want to you want to know something hilarious? There's like this one stars podcast I hate listen to just because uh-huh. these guys have like the the dumbest like idiot stars fan takes ever. And the guy was like literally complaining that Andor is like way too focused on drama and character, and it wasn't pushing the lore enough. And it's like, are you a human being? Are you real? Like this, you you sound like a parody of a Star Wars fan. Oh no, they're focusing too much on the characters and the drama, and not enough on the lore. They're not world building enough. And yet. I keep reading all these like little clickbait articles about like all of the little Easter eggs to like various parts of the EU that they keep dropping in. Also, but I, I wouldn't even call general... them Easter eggs. I would just call them like references, references you yeah. know, and they're, they're just like, Hey, we need to mention a planet, get Wikipedia out. We'll pick one. You know? Well, I mean, and this refers to us too, but like quite frankly, in the world of podcasting, we've heard enough from, from enough from men talking about star Wars. Anytime I hear you talk about like a podcast you hate, it's always like some neckbeards. Oh, these guys are just absolute dorks. I mean, I I guess I find it, 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 I don't know, illuminating to see like, what's, what's this, that kind of Star Wars fan? What is, what is their take on Andor? It's like, okay, yeah, that, that sounds about right. They're mad. There's not enough lore. And you know, the Mandalorian season two is their favorite Star Wars of all time. Okay. They want more of that, uh, that security officer from the corporation. No, there, there weren't enough like big moments. Like there, the, the guy was like, Oh, I haven't seen like very many like YouTube reaction videos. Like people had when like Luke Skywalker appeared at the end of the Mandalorian season two. Like, it's like, that's how they judge like the buzz for a show is like how many like dumb YouTube videos are there about it. And it's like, yeah, you're not getting the usual rage bait for the show. A, because it's good. B, because it's like, there's not a ton to complain about other than that, like, oh, I'm too dumb and stupid to watch this show and pay attention. And so it's boring to me, you know? Okay. The last time we needed the the live reaction videos on the internet was the Red Wedding. And the, the only time, maybe, yeah. The, but like the, the thing going around the There's internet. There's something inherently that, narcissistic about reaction well, videos. But that video recently of that fucking guy filming himself watching the, the end credits in the Black Adam. It's like who, who who the fucking needs this? Why yeah, do you need no, to put this out there? Weird narcissism. Yeah. Who is this about? Who is this for? All right. Well, let's move on to Andor, unless you had anything else stars news wise to discuss. Oh no, I'm 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 horny to talk about Andor. Oh, I, I can add one more thing. Um, I was at Disneyland recently. I rode the Rise of the Resistance. It's oh, I fun. I I enjoyed it. Go walking outside in a like big imperial hangar very cool and it was kind of it was like cold in there so it kind of felt like you're in space like 
it's all very neat. But if 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 I had to wait, you know, a hundred minutes in line for that, or if I could go to Star Tours and wait twenty five minutes, I'd just go to Star Tours. Um, which, Did by you, the way, is um, there they have like it's all Rise of Skywalker planets. It was like um, oh. it was Exegol and oh, what was the other one? Uh, like Kefbeer. You go to Kefbeer and then you go to Exegol. Kefbeer's the, Kef, the, the one? Death Star wreckage planet. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Not even the fucking planet where uh, uh, Babu Frick is at. No, I don't know. I only went once, so I don't know if there's a rotation and like more or that's the only one or what but yeah wow wow did you do anything else in galaxy's edge um not i mean i walked around you know did the loop as usual i didn't do smugglers around this time okay um i mean i I don't know galaxy's edge it could use a little more life to it and like some benches like (laughs) after a while you're like i could kind of just sit down and watch but there's nowhere to sit you know yeah I mean, it's that's the. I remember when we did the lightsaber thing years ago. It was fun just watching the stormtroopers like roughing up kids. Mm-hmm. Let's see your fucking papers. Yeah, definitely. Um, and all or, right, maybe. And or, uh, how do we want to do this? We want to talk about all at once, opening statements. All at once. I don't have an opening statement. It was, it's a great show. Every character's interesting. Even I- the characters I hate are interesting. It's so much better than every other Star Wars show that it's like, I don't know how like you could go back and watch like, oh, I can't wait to see the Ahsoka show now. Like, it's going to seem like fucking clown shoes in comparison, like not to, you know, focus too much on on comparing one to the other. But like this show is like of such a higher caliber of quality that you're like, how did this get on Disney Plus? Like, there's no other show on Disney Plus that even like comes close to this show. Yeah, because I've never like super loved The Mandalorian. Like, well, the, I, the, like some, it, I like I like some episodes of season two, but it's exactly what we said at the time. The Mandalorian is a cartoon. It's just a live action Saturday morning cartoon, and you really it really sticks out like a sore thumb once you've seen a show like Andor. You're like, oh. That's like what like an actual like kind of Star Wars for adult show would look like. And and, you know, hey, if you want to have your cartoons for your little babies, that's fine. But, you know, there's there's a difference. It's not all the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's kids movies. That's fine. Um, yes, and, and to see real actors playing as much as you can in Star Wars universe, feeling like real characters. Mm hmm. Um, having your eyeballs fucking glued to the screen whenever Mon Mothma or Stone Skarsgård are on screen. It looks amazing. None of it is shot on the volume. It's all sets and locales and you know, obviously there's plenty of CG, but like, it's like, it looks so much more cinematic than any of the other Star Wars shows. Like, I mean, the stuff like the eye, like everything in that, you know, all the uh, the crazy, you know, graphic. <laughs> Can we just talk about how many times when you were watching the uh the natives of that planet did you yell yakmala yakmala yeah they were they were from parmistan for sure man i mean especially their leader if, if they just put a little title card down there it said caraball on the caspian sea yeah. every time that guy showed up looking exactly like the great con from parmistan i was just like yakmala uh yeah. but like like you like you've said before what if you didn't cast a bunch of LA actors? Exactly, exactly. I've been saying this forever. Stop right, casting like American actors. You go go British. And like they, they just like raided the casting of like every BBC show for this uh or, for Andor and like or, or the Nordic regions. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's oh. like, hey, look at that. They they somehow know how to sell, you know, Star Wars gobbledygook better than any American actor. They don't look like some comedian who just walked off the street in Manhattan Beach. But uh, yeah, Genevieve O'Reilly is Mon Mothma. The aforementioned brilliant Stellan Skarsgård, my girl Faye Marseille. Um, the, the woman who's like the new imperial villain in oh, the, the second three episodes? Deidre? I don't want her to ever get redeemed. You just know she's evil and cold, and I love it. Well, like, I mean, this is a show where the, it's like you're rooting for this, like, you know, fascist, like, basically, like, the Imperial SS is who she works for. Yeah. And you're like, hell yeah, win that office politic battle. You know, well, like, you got yeah, stick Master, it to your, like, coworker. Master Quiburn is her boss. Uh-huh. The The other guy, her rival, that guy is feeling his fascist wardrobe so hard. He does all these, like, little cape flourishes. But they're all just so like they all feel so real and lived in like these feel like real people going to work every day with their petty office politics. Um, It's it's so much better than I mean, you think about like the Inquisitors, what a joke they were in uh, the Obi-Wan show. So I was like not sure what to think in the the first scene with Andor when he like meets the two guys on like the, the brothel and gets in the fight with them. But it's the scene right after with the the guy from Game of Thrones from the from the Erie, who's like the the commanding officer of the secu- the corporate security forces, mm-hmm. and he's like dressing down or he's getting the report from his underling, and he's just like, I have to go do this conference, fucking say nothing, and then he throws in, did you tailor your uniform? <laughs> yeah, oh, and it, I mean it's like watching The Wire, where he's just like, hey man, don't fuck up the stats, I got to go get this report. We're just yeah. gonna we're gonna write this off as an accident. You know, like we don't we don't need a murder on the books right now. But then like every detail, I mean, like I fucking hate that guy, but I love that guy. Like once you get to his mom, Ooh, uh, Cyril. Yeah, I'm right back in. But like the uh the the sergeant that he deals with on the raid on the planet, that guy's fucking great. Yeah, it's pockets of out there, pockets of fermenting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that guy's just like a total like gung ho, like let's go crack some skulls, and even though he's a complete idiot, you know. And they just and, get completely clowned on. And like going into this, I'm like, quite frankly, the only person who's like somewhat miscast to me is Diego Luna. I think he's okay. been fine. I think I think his is a it's a little bit of a difficult role because he has to be the fulcrum of around which everything turns. And the only character arc we we really seen with him is like him it's like slowly getting more committed to the rebellion, you know, like yeah. you know, finding his cause. But no, I I mean we're on the record. You can go listen to old podcasts of us. We're like, Cassie and Andor show? What the fuck? Who wants that? What a piece of shit that's going to be. And like, you know, the, the, we we are in the clowns here. We're, we're putting our clown faces, clown makeup on. Uh, this show is way, way, way better than any other Star Wars shows out there. Like, to Tony an Gilroy. absurd degree. Tony Gilroy. Well, and you, and the, I, the Gilroy family. When you watch those end credits. Yeah. A lot, a lot of, of <laughs> have you like read anything about like how this show came to be no not really i mean so rewinding back what's his name basically gets pushed out of rogue one as they're making it gareth, edwards. Was yeah. gareth edwards uh but gilroy basically comes in and salvages the third act of that movie right yeah he i mean he's like a script doctor yeah so he comes in and basically looks at everything they have does a bunch of like rewrites so they can like reshoot and like kind of piece together, you know, like tries to make it coherent. Um, I, I know a lot of it was a third act, although I'm sure he probably tried to do some stuff in the first two acts and, as well. Like I, I have to wonder if the, 
But that scene of Cassandra like shooting the guy at the beginning, I have to wonder if that was a reshoot because it kind of mm. feels much more like Gilroy than um, I don't know Chris White's or whoever the fuck wrote the original draft of that movie. But like, I don't really love that movie. Like other people love that movie, but the Scarif stuff is probably the best stuff. I mean, the, it's a movie with a fun third act and two yeah. acts before it that, in my opinion, are still really boring. I tried rewatching it. And I'm like, hey, was I wrong? Is this better? And I'm like, no, I still don't like this movie. Yeah. I don't think it works. I don't think uh, Jen Urso works as a protagonist, really. Like, it's it's very muddled. But um, well, obviously, she should. obviously she should. We're, you're getting, like, uncut Tony Gilroy and, and Andor. So the way this show came about, as far as I can tell, is like Disney knew they needed TV shows. And I think it's basically started with them like talking to Diego Luna and be like, Hey, would you do a TV show with us? And he was like, yeah. And so they're like, cool, we're going to make an Andor show. And mm-hmm. so they hired a guy who was like one of the writers on the Americans. Okay. And like, he worked up a whole, like, I don't know, pitch like story Bible or whatever, you know, and like gave it to Lucasfilm and Lucasfilm read it. And they're like, nah, you know, and they sent it to Tony Gilroy and they're like, Hey, what do you think? What do you think of this? And Tony Gilroy is like, apparently wrote this like epic email response. He's like, well, obviously I'm not going to do this, but if I were going to do it, like, this is how I would do it. You know, like, and he just wrote this like crazy long, like pitch of like, you know, if you guys had some fucking balls, this is the show you would make. And they're like, okay, do you want to make that show? And he's like, really? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, uh, okay, yeah, sure. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, but you know, Michael Clayton's a strong as fuck movie. And we rules. Um, I don't hate the third or the fourth born movie with, with, uh, oh, the, with Renner. Yeah. And Oscar. It's Isaac. fine. Yeah. With, uh, yeah, Ed Norton. Mean, it's definitely a Tony Gilroy movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 my whole is the rest of his career, but like, like, yeah, it, it feels like a Tony Gilroy, you know, show here. It feels like his style of like how he balances out characters and just kind of, you know, has some fucking faith in you that you'll figure out this is a flashback, that this is that. Well, and just like just the small little story things, like he's not setting up mystery boxes. He's not teasing cameos. He's just like, hey, this is all going to connect together. Here's Cassian's going to go visit his ex-girlfriend because he like needs something from her. But her new boyfriend's going to notice and start to get a little peeved. And he's going to follow her later see him talking to each other and decide I'm going to rat that fucker out. Cause he's moving in on my girl. And then like, that's how the heat comes down. You know, it's like, it all fits together. And this like kind of, you know, f- it was fate to end up that way, you know, sort of storytelling rather than, I mean, God, just think about the book of Boba Fett and like some of the obnoxious trash that's in that story. But it, it, it all feels reasonable measured. No one's like, doing something just because the plot demands it. The mm-hmm. only far-fetched thing there is that Adria Arjona would end up with that Irish piece of shit. Well, I mean, Cassian's nowhere around. Yeah. Yeah. He's her boss, maybe, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he's, I don't know, he's he's something stable after Cassian who kind of, like, the Cassian we meet in the beginning of the story kind of seems like a real piece of shit on his own. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. owes money all over town. Yeah. Including known pornographers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's cool that's cool yeah but i mean like you really get a sense of him when he's talking with the one guy as they're like inventing oh, where he, they were that was last such night. a great scene because yeah. you know, he's going up to this guy and he's like hey man you gotta say i was at your house last night and like you insulted hey, my booze oh yeah and he's like okay no like let me make the story work you insulted my booze yeah i kind of roughed you up a little that's why you have that uh mm-hmm. you know thing it's like he's like playing along like it was like 
wow, it's like smart characters. Like, like there's so many scenes in TV shows now where it's like, I feel I know exactly what's going to happen in the scene five seconds into it. You know, it's like, oh, I've seen this conversation that's about to happen a million times before. Nothing interesting is going to be said. Whereas like in that scene, he's not just like, hey, man, I can't be covering for you. Instead, he like makes up, he, he adds to the story to make it make sense. And it's like, hey, man, like get your shit together. Yeah. Well, and, and the Empire is barely a thing, you know, that we see in the first three episodes. But this is where it really relies on Star Wars because it's like you fucking know the Empire's bad. You you know what kind of well. This is the first time we've really got to properly dwell in like the fascist state that is the empire. You yeah. know, like and have it be scary. Well, and and showing off the kind of characters who are happy mm-hmm. in that kind of environment. But then you've got like something straight out of Casablanca, almost, but with, with space shit. The Stellan Skarsgård characters, like Luthen, who's like a uh, master spy master, but also his cover is that he's like an art dealer. It, it, it like a kind of a jovial kind of like uh, um, like aristocratic art dealer you know yeah like the the way he... hunger games-esque yeah uh-huh. yeah but like the just a bit where he's going back to coruscant he's like putting his wig back on and just practicing oh, he's like finding himself laugh. again yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's such a fucking fascinating thing to watch and then just you're kind of not sure what's going on when like mon mothma ends up in his gallery and he's like, oh, let me show you over this. And my my assistant will talk to your driver. And you realize it's like the driver's new. He's probably an imperial plant. Well, just like the we, paranoia about it all, the way yeah. they keep, you know, the, the assistant's got to go distract that guy. And that guy's kind of always in the back of the frame. And it's like everyone's really worried about who's listening, you know? Yeah. 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 And then even before he says a word or does a thing, the genius look of Mon Mothma's husband Yes. The moment you see that guy, you know who this character Just is. Complete shit heel. Yeah. Love that guy. And like the the way he's kind of like in the scene with like they're having breakfast and like her daughter's there and he's like kind of playing like cool dad, like yeah. just very subtly like undermining Mon Mothma at every turn and like not backing her up at all when she's like, no, I want to do this thing with you. It's I'm trying to think of what his look would even be. He looks like uh like a white man dressed as an upper crust samurai. I mean, like, I mean he's he's we I don't want to talk about too much, but in episode 7 he's basically cosplaying as a Jedi at like a party. Wow, yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh but just like the the fucking uh dinner party that they're throwing and like she see like she's like oh god, this fucking dinner party I didn't know we were doing this. And then she sees where he's seated him and it's like just surrounded by people who fucking hate her. Yeah. He's like, oh, you can sit all at the at the other end of the table with all the boring people. <laughs> yeah, that's the fun side. And she's like sitting next to, or he's invited. Uh, was it Palpatine's girlfriend? So he and she mentions Slime Moore, who is the she's the weird bald woman who's sitting next to Palpatine at uh, the opera scene, who like gets up when Anakin goes and sits down next to Palpatine in Revenge of Sith. Um, she's in some other shots too. Um, I mean, I know in like in like the books and whatnot, it goes in more of like slime more and her whole deal. But like she mentions the the vizier, the grand vizier who is, um, Masamata. Who's like, he's the order guy, you know, who's like, like his, you know, right hand man in the center or whatever. But like, it's not like those are Easter eggs. It's like, no, that's who she would, you know, mention, you know, it's like, she's a, a high level politician and it's like a, a, you know, an upper crust like politician dinner party. So yeah, she's going to mention those dudes. Yeah, it's like trying to make the world feel real. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, the only thing missing is to have Jar Jar show up at one of the dinner parties. Well, no, the, the only thing missing is um, where's my man Bale? Where's Jimmy oh, yeah. Smith? Is he like, hey, I could have been in this and not not this uh, Obi-Wan? Yeah, yeah. So this is, we're, we're like five years before New Hope in this, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah this five season, years after the Obi-Wan show. Five years after the Obi-Wan show. This season is supposed to take place over about a year total. Um, and then the next season is basically like four, ep- four three-episode chunks that are going to be like a year forward each to like, go right up to right four stars i i i mean having watched six episodes i'm kind of like lucasfilm you really need to consider like giving the show a couple more years you need this content so apparently it was supposed to be five seasons and they made the first season and diego luna and tony giller are like this show's gonna fucking kill us if we make five seasons of it we gotta we gotta strip it down to the essentials Uh, here this is like too hard of a thing guys they're basically shooting movies like yeah like the the first six episodes are essentially two movies i mean it's the the, where it cuts between episode like one and two and two and three is it you know it's it's not like oh that was the end of a tv episode it's like no we just kind of stopped there and we'll pick it back up later I mean, the episodes work like where they cut. Yeah, works, it's it's but, fine, but it's not it's not like, oh, we're going to give you a cliffhanger, you know, or something like but that. It's, it's it's a good streaming show. But yeah, mm-hmm. episode four, I was like, why the fuck are we still following Cyril? Like, I don't need any more Cyril. And then I was like, I oh, yeah, follow I him home to his like mom. And it's like awesome, like kind of like. I don't know, middle class apartment in Coruscant yeah. there. Like I love just like the little details where like when he gets off the ship at Coruscant, he goes down and like anyone who's like deep in their Star Wars lore knows that like the lower you go in Coruscant, the shittier it gets, you know. But it doesn't yeah. go down that far. It's not like he's like totally in like the slums. It's like, no, it's just, just kind of a regular degular apartment that like a single old lady might live in you know and it's got like a cool little breakfast nook and he's still got his like stormtrooper action figures in his room she's yelling at the neighbor who's watching his son come home he's eating his cereal with his blue milk you have two breakfast nook scenes one where she's gonna call his uncle to see if they can get him a job and then the second is after they've called the uncle to see if they can get him a job so i have a question for you did you like his mom that character like, how did you feel about her? Uh, eventually, yeah. Because on Reddit, I just I found it just you know a little bit fascinating that this demographic of mostly young men on Reddit uh-huh. really was like, oh man, that's the worst mom ever. She's so mean to her son. It's like I kind of feel like there's maybe some personal, uh, you know, yeah. experience well, uh, influencing your views here, dude. They're playing her as kind of a Jewish stereotypical mother a little bit. She's nagging. Uh-huh. She's kind of like you know not necessarily building up his self-esteem yeah yeah but it's like from her perspective he probably got the corporate job with some help some nepotism i'm kind of wondering the way she slaps him when he shows up like did he you know the last time they saw each other was he kind of a dick you know did he tell her to fuck off well the guy looks like a dick like like just the actor like he looks like i would not put my drink down around him I love he, that his boss gets fired by the uh, the other fashion. They all get fired. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, there'll be no talking for many of you. I'm just explaining like the process of your termination here. Um, I, just, I just want you to know how badly you fucked up. Yeah. That now all, all, all because Cassian got roughed up by two like corpo security guys accidentally killed one and had no choice but to kill the other. Yeah. Which like, I, I love like the moral calculation he's doing with that guy where it's like, you know, do I just knock you out? And and 
hope I get away. It's like, no, they, like the, the only smart play in that situation, like you're already fucked. You have to kill him too. Like that's what if you, you ever, if you ever want to hope to get away from this, you got to like kill any witnesses. What's Cassian's planet called? Um, Ferrix. Yeah. So when the, the other guy or the, the other fascist guy gets to Ferrix and he's like talking to one of the Imperial guys and he's just like, what do you think of this building? And he's like, eh, it's kind of a shit all. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you want it to be your new headquarters or what? <laughs> he's like, sure. Can I, can I be called the prefect? He's like, whatever, man. <laughs> you know, we haven't talked about it at all. Who I feel uh, like deserves some mention is my girl Bix. Which one's Bix? A- Adriana or Jonah. Or Jonah? Oh, yeah. she's wonderful. Yeah. No, that, wonderful. that scene, I think it's in like the second episode where she just kind of like comes over for a hookup with Tim. Yeah. I was yeah. like, whoa, in Star Wars? Holy shit. Yeah, we're like we're we're not just implying sex happened. We're like showing her getting out of bed, like in her underwear the next day. Yeah, we see we see this space is, panties. This is Star Wars for adults. Well, so it's Adriana Jonah, who's an actor who was in a lot of bad things, and now she's been in a lot of good things. Um, I I I she's very attractive, and so she's like got her space panties. It's so funny, is Tim with two M's because mm-hmm. it's still a space show. It's just like sitting there, like fully clothed, just been staring at her. Well, like he he's just betrayed uh, her ex boyfriend, and now he feels kind of shitty about it. But he's like, I guess I'll just go have some weird sex. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe I'll confess to you in the morning. Yeah. Are you going to say no? (laughs) He's so stunned because he's watched her talk to Diego Luna Mm -hmm. that when she shows up for like a drunken hookup. He's so fucking relieved. But I mean, he may also be doing the calculation too of like, is this, do you feel guilty, Bix? Is this why you're kind of coming on strong right now? Yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's the kind of show where like those sorts of adult thoughts can occur. You know, it's like you can, you can read that sort of stuff into it as opposed to well, something like Boba Fett where everything is just like written for five year olds. The show is not afraid to have these kind of rough raw mini domestic moments i mean there's the whole uh uh uh, chauffeur scene with with mon moff and her husband about like the route home but the we earlier we saw like bix with tim and they're just like so we were talking earlier like one night at your place one night at my place oh you're gonna show up tonight it's like we're into their relationship way more than we should be but it feels real like why wouldn't we (laughs) hear this stuff it's just great yeah, I mean, as much as I like the first arc, I feel like it's like every episode of the show just gets better. Like the, oh, the, arc, the first, arc was way the first arc is like, wow, okay, we're this is fucking gritty as hell. Like we're really into it, and then like the second arc is like, holy shit! Like that yeah. heist was like one of the best hours of television you'll watch in several years. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and you cast some creeps as the crew, but like they're all they're all functional. They all work. They all make sense. The little the little like uh, uh, zealot boy, you like, just know that guy's gonna die immediately. But you're, yeah, I, yeah. I was just wondering, like, is this? Am I being thrown off the scent? Is he gonna be a secret traitor? Nope, he wasn't a traitor, but he definitely died in like the most senseless way possible. Well, and then we get the thing where it's like, crushed by they, money. They alter the plan to take him to the doctor, which even though it puts them in danger. The doctor's working away with his forearms, and then they're still like, "Yeah, he died." Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, he's gonna be all right. No, no, he died. Well, and and just the the skiing, he he's like pushing hard. Oh, we got to take this guy to the doctor. I realize he's only doing that because he needs to stop off somewhere so he can try yeah. to cut yeah. a deal with Cassian. I but, I love that Cassian just like 
it's like you can see him doing the calculation when Skeen makes this offer. Like, hey, man, let's just split it. Cassian's thinking, like, this guy will definitely kill me the first chance he gets. Yeah. Like, there's only one move now, and it's to immediately shoot him. And so that's yeah. what he does. Well, and he's 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 a bad boy. That's Cassian Andor. But when he goes to Faye Marseille, he's just like, that guy was worse. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm stranding you here, but like, I'm just taking just my taking cut. my cut. Yeah, yeah, and, and he gives back the the Kyber crystal for uh-huh. for Luthien. But yeah, the the little guy Nemec, that actor, always plays little creeps, and here he is. He's playing like the little hopeful one. It's 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 good. I don't know anti casting, but all the the Imperial guy, like you get just the bare bones of his storyline. I mean, he's Gorn, been on this planet, Lieutenant yeah. Gorn. Yeah, yeah, I really liked him. Like. When he's having to like listen to the like two like you know uh, imperial officers who outrank him like just kind of like pat themselves on the back for how clever they are about like screwing over the Aldani's and like they're both like sipping out of their like yeti mugs and he's just like yeah. standing behind them like oh soon motherfuckers soon well the, the commandant who's just like the fucking belt shrink yeah I mean, it's you know all foreshadowing to later he kills over and has a heart attack because he wasn't used to that kind of physical exertion. <laughs> Uh, apparently the the little kid um who they take hostage i believe that's the same actor as the um i think it's the blackwood kid on house of the dragon who like kills the other guy oh okay uh, you, you know it's like uh yeah. he like insults him at the uh like the, the meeting the, where they're all the meeting her era. yeah yeah which which what i remember i had started that that episode on a plane to seattle and I had to turn it off because I just really couldn't hear yeah, it. But yeah. I was like, I'm pausing it right at that scene. I'm like, am I about to watch get this kid get fucking killed? <laughs> nope, he nope. lives. Yeah. <laughs> um, fucking hey, the show's good. Yeah, I I really did not know what to think starting it. And then it's like halfway through episode two, I was like, am I loving this? Fucking hey, I am. It's just like it's a shock to see something with this attention to detail and with writing that is like clearly not for kids, which like, I know it's like, Oh, star Wars is like, you know, supposed to be for all ages. It's like, you know what, if you can make little like cartoons for kids, you know, star Wars stuff, you can make stuff that's a little more adult too. Like we're not, you know, we're not having talking like gratuitous nudity or like, you know, like, you know, graphic violence or anything, but it's just, it's clearly written for like an older audience and it demands their attention. You know, it's I, going I mean, I, to be subtle. It's not going to spell everything out for you. I would still argue, though, that like you're more, you know, your your, your child who could handle this could watch this. For six year olds, no. For like a thirteen year old, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it, they it might not interest them as much as something more flashy, but yeah. I, I don't know. I think when they're older, they'll appreciate it. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I don't necessarily think everything needs to be written in this tone, but I would love it if they made more Star shows with this much care and attention to detail in the story and in the writing, because it, it seems like, and in the production design, it seems like we have not gotten that with these other Star shows. They're really more obsessed with like cool moments, you know, like, Oh, we could have Boba Fett, ride a rancor, or, you know, we could have Obi-Wan and Vader fight, you know, two more times. How cool would that be? Yeah. Well, the, the other guy in the crew, well, they're like, well, don't you realize his secret is that he was a stormtrooper? Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, that makes perfect fucking sense. Terryman, yeah. So Terryman, so, who who dies because Skeen doesn't lay down cover fire for him. The dude, he's like, cover me. And like Skeen like leans out, fires one shot, and then just like leans back because he's a fucking coward. And that's why so, Terryman gets shot. What is the plan for, I, I don't know, I'm sure it comes up, but like, what is the plan for Faye Marseille's girlfriend? 
Um, I mean, you'll see in episode seven, but it, okay. they, it's not like they just abandoned that plot. Right, line. Right. Yeah, it's clearly part of the plan that she stays behind in her imperial outfit. Yeah. But. The question is, did she actually execute all those imperials who she was holding hostage or not? We don't really know yet. Is she okay? She's kind of the least developed. Um, maybe. I mean, Terryman doesn't get a lot percent. either. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I I think what what we get from her is that when when the moment comes their leader hesitates because it's like holy shit are we really about to like put our own fucking lives in danger in this like incredibly risky plan and it's Sintra who's like no let's do it let's go yeah 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 I'm enjoying every minute of the show as we're recording it episode 8 will be airing in 3 hours I will probably stay up to watch it at midnight you know like Bofet, I stopped staying up for that show for sure but right. I think I may stay up for this one just cause it's just fucking fascinating yeah looks amazing acting is great writing is great production design all these like you know like little and you talked about Fiona Shaw and the droid B yeah Oh, the, the droid is heartbreaking, man. Yeah. I mean, like, seriously, like, I love BB-8. I fucking couldn't stand Dio. Dio just seemed like such a crass it, toy. It's like try hard, yeah. But, like, this this droid is, like, you fucking... I mean, it's functional. It makes sense. It's well, designed. It's kind of cool and interesting. And it's so fucking sad. And the way he's just, like, you could stay. Yeah. Well, the, the way Andor tells him, like, hey, I need you to lie for me. He's like, okay, I'll... I'll charge myself up and he's like i need to say this i need to say that he's like that's two lies though yeah (laughs) like oh "Oh, no i might not be able to lie like that well and the the idea that like the uh recharging himself is such a fucking hardship because he's older well and that like cassian puts uh the transmitter on him which gives himself away later (laughs) yeah but i mean just the 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 shot the very first time you see him in that planet when he's just like rolling through the streets and he stops and they like, kind of like like bunches up because there's like those wolves the dog or whatever. takes a piss on him. Yeah. Takes a fucking piss on him. <laughs> That's a real statement of intent early in the show. Like it's like space brothels shooting a cop in the face and then uh, droid getting pissed on by a dog, a space yeah. dog. You know. Yeah. Which I mean, there's a, in a weird way, it's super ballsy because it's like. We've never really gotten into, not that I ever want to go back to Tatooine, but like we never really get into the vice of Tatooine. Because it's and never it's felt like, real. Like the, the supposed crime boss shit and Boba Fett, it's just like, this isn't real. This is like Disneyland shit. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, what the fuck do you think Jabba the Hutt was trafficking yeah. in? What this, uh, a lot of what this show really reminds me of is like the like X-Wing and Race Squadron books. Like those books would get down to this level, you know, they were, they're still like somewhat imperial era. So he had the paranoia and mm-hmm. like, he had just like the kind of the grit to like go into the, the Coruscant, like underworld or, you know, go hang out with like some narrative well people on like backwoods planets, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it really gets into the, I think with certain things post the original trilogy, every time you see the empire, you're always thinking like, well, where Darth Vader? Where where's Palpatine? Mm-hmm. Like this, the whole purpose is is like you never need to see them. This this yes, machine, it's a big galaxy. It, it actually feels like it's a big galaxy. But like there are a lot of shitty people who mm-hmm. made this thing function. You know, well, the fact they that they up. haven't even really shown stormtroopers in the first six episodes. Yeah, you know, it's well, all you just a girl really, army. You don't even really see the Empire in 
in the first, in the first three, three episodes. Yeah. Well, and 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 it's on that like flashback planet where it's just kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fiona Shaw is not rescuing him from the Empire. <laughs> no, they're rescuing from the Republic, mm-hmm. which I thought was fascinating. It's like, yeah, they're, they're probably shitty elements of the Republic, hence they've come to the Empire. Um, yeah, I'm I'm super excited for more episodes. Yeah, I'm really curious. So um episode seven is like sort of a standalone and then the next arc is supposed to be episodes eight nine and ten and then the final arc will be like 11 and 12 so and like all these episodes are like i don't know 45 to 50 minutes long it's not like they're like too short feeling like some of those you know like some of the like mandalorian or like book bofed episodes would be like 30 minutes or something you're like okay i guess yeah. um these feel like the proper length for like a satisfying prestige tv show there's Nothing. no real flab on this show. No, but, but at the same it. time, it's not, it's willing to show us, you know, small details, you know, it's not racing. Like the pacing is like, it's comfortable. Yeah. I mean, streaming can be good. Streaming can be, or uh, binging can be good. Binging can be bad. Part of me kind of want to watch, wants to watch episode seven and then wait two weeks to watch eight, nine and 10 yeah. together. I mean, you could seven's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, okay. It's more more excellent Mon Mothma shit in seven. I mean, I don't know. Have we talked about Mon Mothma enough? Like every no, scene with her never. is more engrossing than the last. Like it's incredible. It's like, oh, here's a scene where Mon Mothma is like driving home in her car with like her driver and her husband from some party or something. And it's like, this is more fascinating than Darth Vader and Obi-Wan fighting each other in that Obi-Wan show. Yeah. Okay, like just fucking... just the way he like asked to like they kind of like get in a little snippy and then he asked the driver to like take the expressway because he wants to get home faster. You're like, wow. Yeah. It's a fucking Ingmar Bergman movie in the mm-hmm. middle of the Star Wars show. I mean, Jimmy O'Reilly is like absolutely killing it. It's like this is like a fascinating character. Well, it's so fascinating because she's an actor who most of her role in in Revenge of the All of it. Sith, like she deletes scenes. It's like she might be in a background of a shot or two, but she's not in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole deleted scene Senate subplot. And then she has the small, like she has like one scene in Rogue One. One or two. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't even particularly like her in Rogue One. I didn't, I didn't like, like the angle they took on the character, but like here, like she's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only thing that's really kind of fascinating is just, I guess the rebellion just really came to be like in this last five years. Um, I mean, presumably she's, they, they've been, you know, quote unquote building a network, her and um, yeah. Luthen. Yeah. But like, I think I mean, Saw Gerrera is out there, but he's kind of like doing his own thing. But she um, comes back. Yeah. Get forced, but I mean, like Luthen's talking about like, basically the, the essentials of like, this is how we build it, man. Like we got to get money. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a line, I think it's from the next episode, but it's in the trailer. It says the Empire has been choking us so slowly we started not to notice. Yeah. You know, and it's like that's it's like that's the inertia that they're having to fight against. Yeah. So the corporations kind of build the ships though, right? Um, I mean there's like quad drive yards, um, there's uh Sinar systems, I think they build the ties, there's Incom who builds the X Wings, like I right. I don't I probably it's not going to happen on this show, but eventually they'll have to explore the whole concept of the corporate sector in Star Wars, yeah. where like all these planets that are just like these massive like corporate like uh, you know like titans of industry and and how they fit into the galaxy and all that. I should have reading some detail from one of the the sequel trilogy 
you know, technical books or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like, whatever corporation built the ships for the first order, it's like every time Kylo Ren flies his special TIE fighter, it generates a report, you know, the, the, the diagnostic. They get the console log. Yeah. Yeah. Like just like, like, how's it doing? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that was, again, the, you talk about Ryan Johnson. That was the really interesting thing about, uh, last Jedi and that planet Canto bite. It's like, Oh, the, the good guys and the bad guys, they all get their ships from like, or their mm-hmm. ship from these people right here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm loving it absolutely impressed with the show was not ex- I, I you know obviously we weren't expecting it to be good at all i remember seeing like one of the trailers and being like that actually looks kind of good i don't know like was i wrong about this because that actually looks pretty dope and like selling scars guards in it and like he seems awesome yeah well he's he's got the big curly hair and then he's got like the short badass hair well like his his look as like the uh like antiquities dealer or whatever like his whole vibe there is so great i want that look yeah yeah, it's it's so kind of like offensively garish and like yeah. you know wealthy, and like bourgeois. It's just, it's, it's just so capital city from the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. I just I love seeing Coruscant not just to be like oh look it's Coruscant, but like to actually like give the give the planet and the city some character. You know, like we see the ISB building and like people walking to work or you know like yeah. people walking around the lower levels. Like obviously. Mon Mothma has some like awesome like penthouse like apartment that must cost like a billion you know space bucks or whatever like she's hella rich uh Luthen's place seems like it's like at like a nice mall type area you know like you yeah. can just like fly right up to it and walk in so you you don't want like a scene where uh, Cyril gets back to Coruscant and he's like got like a space uber with like a, a recently out of work Rick Lee and he's just like the whole planet's <laughs> it's one big one city, big city. <laughs> no he'd, he'd be like the driver yeah Rick oh Oli. like uh i could absolutely see like a, a one minute cameo from rick Oli in this world <laughs> that guy needs work yeah i just i i want more of this obviously tony gilroy is only one person and maybe all he really owes the star wars world is like one good show you know but i want them to go looking for creatives that can deliver this kind of thing as opposed to like Oh, what if Ahsoka showed up? You know, like, yeah. what if we had a dead-eyed CGI Luke character show up and do some backflips for it for a I little mean, while? That'd be fun, right? Like, no, no, it would not be fun. It's not a perfect analogy, but like in Tony Gilroy, I feel like this era's got like their Lawrence Kasdan. I can kind of see it. I mean, they've they've kind of he's made a big deal about like not being a Star Wars fan, which I feel like is a little bit protesting too much. It's clear yeah. he's having a ton of fun in the in the sandbox. Yeah, but yeah. it's more that like he doesn't feel like he's beholden to the tropes. You know, it's like he has a very he has a vision for the story he wants to tell. He's excited to be telling it in this Star Wars sandbox, and he's just going to go for it and not really worry about like it. Oh no, there hasn't been a lightsaber fight. You know, will people right. not like it because of that? Or we have to. You know, have somebody say, I've got a bad feeling about this or something, you know. Well, it makes you really wonder, though, like, shit, like, what if you just let him, what if you had thrown out so much more and just let him do Rogue One? Yeah, like what, is, one? what is his uncut, you know, like, pure from the source Rogue One look like, for sure? That yeah. was that was the debate of the time where it was like, there were the Star Wars fans who were like, I don't care about the Jedi. And I'm like, that's fine. That's valid. I disagree at the time. But like... I see that this is what we could have gotten there. 
I, I mean, I wonder if Jen Erso would have even been a character if if you said, "Hey, start from scratch and write Rogue One." <laughs> you have a great double meaning title there. She should have been the Rogue One. Mm, it still bothers me that they just said, "Oh, call us Rogue One," like for yeah. no reason. Just came out. Of, uh, I'm still annoyed. I'm still annoyed. Well, I still want my Rogue Squadron show. I feel like this Andor is like your test case for like, hey, you could make a Rogue Squadron show. It'd be dope as fuck. Well, it's why the only flaw of that one Mission Impossible movie is it's called Rogue Nation and not Rogue State. Yeah. You know, you got a great title there. Um, Anyway. All right. Andor. Andor. Check it out. Uh, We'll be back in, I don't know, four weeks-ish. I should say, it's dumb, but the fucking Twitter joke that I saw weeks ago that still has me cackling because it's so stupid. It's when Cassian Andor is like going through an Imperial checkpoint. And he's like, what's your name? And it's like Cassian. And it's like, what's your last name? And he's like, I could take it or leave it. And he's like, hmm, Andor. <laughs> uh, got no family, right. huh? Because that solo moment's bad. Yeah, it's just bad. It's bad. That's what we don't need in our Star Wars or really any kind of storytelling. You know, there's like yeah. dumb winks at the audience. Oh, that's how we got his blaster. Yeah. Does Faye Marseille have blood stripes? Is that what's on her pants? Uh, I didn't notice them. So Luthen's ship is a Corellian ship, though, right? Probably. Yeah. I mean, you know, Corellian makes a lot of ships, but it's, um, it's got that fucking kind of a million Falcon cockpit. I have I haven't looked to see if they have like, I don't know, like official designations for some of that stuff. But yeah, it kind of looks Corellian. I like the way his like like cost like his change of clothes like came down and that little like pod there. Yeah, it's very Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with like the little shelves that like align themselves. Yeah. It's got all those rings he puts on. And, and it's 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 that thing that I think we talked about when Force Awakens was happening. It was just like, get back to the new hope. Like this world looks lived in. It needs like, to feel like it's actually there and not yeah. like a CGI background. You know, you, it needs does. to feel like you could reach out and touch it. Yeah. Yeah. And the eye is just that the whole sequence is beautiful. Yeah, that was I mean, that heist is like. Dude, like watching that, like I my fucking Apple Watch like gave me like the high heart and rate notification twice because I was like so fucking ants. Because like other than Cassie, and it's like any of these people could fucking die. I don't know what's gonna happen. You know? yeah. Like, like it was like totally like tense as fuck. That little weirdo's last words are climb, mm-hmm. crushed All by right. money. Just the <laughs> the joke and the irony of it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back when we're back. Uh, looking forward to the other six episodes of this show. May the force be with you. Yeah, always. Yeah.